My name is Darcy. I'm one of the pastors here at Generations, and we're in a teaching series right now called Promises, Promises from God That Will Change Your Life. And I am super excited about this series. Uh, we started off last week talking about the power of his presence. We talked about the fact that the promise of God's presence with us is God's primary promise to us. In fact, I think we've got a slide for that. And the promise of God's presence with us is God's primary promise to us. You see, Jesus never promised that we would never have problems, right? What he promised is actually better to be with us in our problems, to be with us as we walk through those, those circumstances. And, and so God did some really good stuff in people's hearts last week and um, hearing stories of even the great discussions that some of you had in your small groups as you, as you talked about what was said last Sunday morning. And if, if God's doing something in your heart and if, if there's just been uh, you know, uh, some life that's happening there, could you send me an email? I would love to hear about it. Just let me know what's going on in your life and and uh, it would be just so exciting to, to hear some of the stories of what God is doing. Well, History Maker is coming up in, in a couple of weeks, and, uh, and we are serious about we needing you to come to the first service, because uh, it's going to be hot and sweaty in here in the second service. First service, we're still going to have the History Maker band, still going to have a History Maker speaker, so it's going to have that History Maker vibe. Uh, so come on out, 9 o'clock, uh, unless you're volunteering, and then, then we'll let you sneak in for the 11 o'clock. But I got thinking about my uh, time when we pastored in Alberta, and I was involved in the youth conference in Alberta, and that youth conference was called... Called YC, uh, which stood for Youth Conference. Um, anyway, it was really cool name, I guess, back in the day. And uh, we were growing the event, and so we had gone to Red Deer to the Westerner uh, Park Arena there. I think that's where the Red Deer Rebels still play, Western Junior uh, Hockey League team. And maybe some of you have been to the, I think they had some quartet conventions uh, there in that venue. Anyway, it's about a 6,000 seat uh, uh, arena that we would set up for this History Maker Conference. And I was on the leadership team for the event. So uh, my job, my role for a couple of years there was to drive the shuttle van kind of back and forth from Red Deer to Edmonton International Airport which was about 130, 140 kilometers away, you know, take you about an hour and 20 minutes. So I would jump in this 15 passenger van, uh, drive up to the international airport and pick up one of the guest speakers or uh, one of the bands that were coming to, uh, to play at the, at the conference and drive them back to Red Deer, take them to their hotel or, or take them to uh, the venue at the Western Park Arena. So I got to uh, drive uh, Delirious, uh, you know, Martin Smith, back when Delirious was, you know, a thing, and, and they were really cool, and, and boy, what, what, what great guys, uh, British and Martin Smith, what, what, what a man of God, had great conversation with him. I got to drive Newsboys, back when Newsboys was Newsboys, and I, you know, I, to be honest, that was my first exposure to Aussies, and I discovered that Aussies are not Canadians that talk funny. They, they, are, they are a different breed, in fact, I, I kind of wondered if those boys were saved, but uh, they, they put on a great concert for us. And, and I mean, they are good guys, but uh, you know, so I got to do that. And coming back from one of those trips, I, I'm not sure which year it was or, or which, which weekend or, or which band or speaker I was driving, but I took them to, to the back of the, uh, of the arena there where, where the loading bay is, uh, you know, the, uh, the stage entrance. And uh, they got out of the van and I needed to move the van. And there were a bunch of vehicles kind of parked helter-skelter all over back there. So I threw the 
big van into reverse and I was probably a little excited and, and uh, you know, not taking enough time and I was moving too quick and I started to back up and all of a sudden, wham! I gave myself whiplash. And, and frankly, at the start, I didn't know what had happened except I knew that I must have hit something because this van suddenly stopped. And so I got out of the van and went behind to see what had happened. And to my horror, I had backed into this beautiful, brand new, shiny Lincoln Town car. And not just kind of scratch the paint, no, I had taken out the driver's side headlight and half the grill. I mean, I, I had smashed the teeth out of this beautiful automobile. And, and you need to understand, I mean, back in the day, that was a car. I mean, that really was a car. That car was probably worth more than I was making in a year at that point. I mean, it was just this horrific thing. I mean, who drives a, a brand new, wintergreen, shiny Lincoln town car? You know, I figured it was either the president of the Westerner uh, Association, you know, that, that was there to kind of look at what we we're doing, or it was the mayor of Red Deer because I knew the mayor was coming to, 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 to talk at the conference. And I thought, I have just backed into the mayor of Red Deer's car. So I kind of looked it over and I looked at the van and I realized, you know, there wasn't even a scratch on the van because it was sitting up a little bit higher and it was just the bumper that had done all this damage to the car. So I thought, you know, I could just kind of go park the van. Nobody had really seen what had happened and, you know, nobody would ever know, right? Yeah, then my conscience got the best of me and I thought I, I better own this. So I went in and started asking, uh, who's driving the, the, the Lincoln out there, the green one? Oh, I found the person who's driving the green one and thankfully they were one of the volunteers at the event, it's not the mayor of Red Deer. So, so, so we went out and, and we looked at the vehicle and, and they said, it was like, wow, you really did crush this thing. Cause I mean, like the grill was gone. I think I even bent the hood. It was, it was like, it was in bad shape. And they said, hey, you know what? Don't worry, it's a rental. And it's totally insured. And so nobody been hurt. It didn't cost me a dime. But the rest of the weekend, people kept walking in going, what happened to that Lincoln out there? And then the word got out and they started coming. Oh, so you're the guy that smashed the Lincoln. And I, I tell you, it was embarrassing. You know, it, it just, it, there was just this, this sense of, like if only I had, instead of looking at the, at the river, if I had checked my passenger side mirror, I might've seen that thing. But you know, with the van being up high like that, I just wasn't paying enough attention. And if, if only I had just taken a little bit more time, not been in such a hurry, been paying more attention, you know, that wouldn't have happened. And it was embarrassing. And, and I just had this, this sick feeling every time I thought about it and, you know, if I could have only had a do-over for that moment. You know, the reality is, is that I think we've all experienced moments in life where we've made a mess of something. Have you ever wished for a do-over? Have you ever said, you know, if only, you know, if, if only, you know, something's happened and you just haven't scratched the paint, you've crushed the grill. 
I think we've had those moments and maybe it was a mess of your own choosing, a decision that you made, uh, you know, a, a choice, some stupid thing you did, or maybe it was a mess created by somebody else and somehow you got tied into it and became your mess. And every time you think of it, it brings color to your face and, and the emotions are, are right there. And, and you think, oh, if only. You know, there's, there's just that, that, that thing there. And, and you know, those memories can get triggered in all kinds of unexpected ways. You know, sometimes you walk in and, and there's that smell. You know, smell is such a, a powerful memory trigger. And you smell that thing and it takes you right back to that moment and all of a sudden those emotions are just right there and you just feel sick. Or, or maybe there's, you know, the song comes on the radio or, or whatever and it's the song, you know, your song. And it just automatically, your mind goes back to that guy or, or that girl and and the whole story of that broken relationship just comes flooding back to you. you know, or maybe it's a story that you hear that it reminds you of your own story, or maybe you see a green Lincoln town car and it just like it brings everything. Thankfully, those cars, you don't see too many of them around anymore. But you know, it was just, just one of those things. And it's amazing how the events of our past can have such a huge impact on our presence. And in fact, for some of us, those events have become the soundtrack for our lives. They're the inner voice that we keep hearing in our heads. They become how we see ourselves. They, they, they define our lives. And along with that, there's this, there's this sense of embarrassment. There's this sense, sense of ick. And, and sometimes, you know, our life even gets stuck because of something that happened last week or last month or last even, even a decade ago or decades ago. And we just kind of habitually replay those negative memories and those mistakes and, and those emotions that are there. And it actually begins to sabotage our lives because of some of that stuff that happened. We begin to, you know, we begin to procrastinate on key decisions, or we begin to just kind of get paralyzed by obstacles in front of us. We, we don't move on the opportunities when we should, or we withdraw from relationships. Instead of stepping forward, we're stepping back, or, or maybe we just begin to distract ourselves with meaningless stuff and, and we begin just kind of wasting our life and, and letting time slip by because there's this thing hanging over us. We can't move forward into our future because of something in our past. And we become like the elephant that's tied to the, to the peg. You probably have heard the story, you know, where they, they take the, the elephant when it's little and, and they, they put a rope around its, its foot and they tie it to something really solid that the elephant can't pull out. And it soon learns that it can't go anywhere so that even when the elephant is big and growing, all they have to do is put this little stake in the ground and it's going to hold the elephant there. And that's so often what, what happens uh, in our lives, we, we get stuck, we get tied to this memory or to this event that begins to define us. And it impacts our relationships with others. And it certainly impacts our relationship with ourself. And it impacts our relationship with God. I mean, we know that God's promise uh, is his presence and that, that the, the promise of his presence with us is his primary promise to us. But I've talked with people who, because of 
how they feel because of what they've done. They feel that they have disqualified themselves from God's love, from God's grace, from God's presence in their life because, you know, of something stupid they've done. That's God's just kind of written them off. I know I have felt that way myself. There's actually a word in scripture that describes that feeling. It's the word condemnation. Uh, It means to feel guilty or judged or defeated. Uh, To feel that you, you failed, that you don't measure up, that you actually deserve punishment, that there's all these fingers pointing at you. And a lot of the fingers are your own fingers. You can't get past that stuff. And because of what you've done, you're, you're guilty, you're unclean, you're unworthy. And you know, if you do kind of squeak into the kingdom of God, you're really never gonna be nothing more than a second-class citizen. You're stuck there. And you know, you know, we know that God loves us, but the reality is we don't feel like he likes us. You know, yeah, God, God loves everybody, but you know what? He really only kind of tolerates me. Do you know the feeling? Let's look at a Bible verse that uses the word condemnation. Uh, This word is is only used in scripture uh, in this sense in in three times, and it's all in Paul's letter to the Romans, and and here's the the, the primary verse that, that uses it. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is, what? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a series, a teaching series on the promises of God, promises of God that will change your life. And I think one of the greatest, one of the most life-changing promises that God has ever given us is the promise right here in, in Romans chapter eight, that there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not a, a Greek geek like some pastors are. I was a music guy in, in college, but uh, you know, I can still kind of dabble into the Greek a little bit, and, and I've got good tools that, that help me with that. And so I went into the original Greek, and I found that the word no in that verse means no. Some of you guys must have looked it up too. Wow, maybe you must be a Greek geek. You know, but, but it means no, it means zip, zilch. Dunzo, gonzo, it's, you know, that's it, finishito, or whatever the, the, the word would be in your native language. I mean, it's just, that's it. No, no means no. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And friends, I don't know about you, but that's good news. That, that, that's a great promise. Because frankly, I'm a mess. And so are you. In fact, why don't you turn to the person beside you and say, you know what, you're a mess. You're a mess. Now, now turn to the person that said that and say, back off, buddy. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Just, just, just back off, okay? 
So, so the word condemnation is only used three times in scripture, always by the apostle Paul in the book of Romans. And it's always in the context of what Jesus has done for us. In fact, let's, let's go back and look at the other two, two times that this ver- word is used. Uh, Romans chapter five, verse 16, and it says, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to what? Condemnation. But... God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. You see, it's not that we're not guilty. We're guilty. The Bible says that, 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 that we're sinful people because of just being human. Uh, theologians talk about the, the depravity of man. You know, just because we're born in this, this human race, there, there's this sin thing going on in, inside of us. We, we've inherited, it's part of our, our DNA. So it's, it's not just an issue of, you know, having poor self-esteem. It's, it's much bigger than that. But it says that even though we're guilty of many sins, God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. There, there is a but in that verse. And friends, it's a big but in that verse. In fact, at one point I wanted to to preach a sermon called the big buts of scripture. (laughs) And then I got thinking about that and realized that 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 probably wouldn't be a good idea. So, uh, but there there is a big but. I I mean, for Adam, sin led to condemnation, but God... Let's look at the, the, the second time that it's mentioned, just a few verses later in, in verse 18, it says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. So every time you have this word com- condemnation, it's always used as a contrast and in context to help us understand what Jesus has done for us. And so over the next few chapters uh, in this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he develops this idea, friends, that Jesus, in fact, comes into our lives and he changes everything. He changes everything. When Jesus came into the world and died on the cross and, and rose from the dead, all of the sin, all of the evil, all of the guilt, all of the shame that has been set in motion in our, in our lives and, and in our world through Adam is now being undone. It's being undone because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, we can be saved from death and we can be saved from sin and we can be saved from guilt and we can be saved from from shame. And, And Paul sums it all up by saying there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Because of what Jesus has done for us, friends, we're forgiven. Nothing in the past, nothing in our future can cut us off from God. Because of what Jesus has done for us, there's there's a powerful new work of the Holy Spirit 
inside of us, changing us from the inside out. There, there's a, a life-giving spirit, capital S, it's, it's the Holy Spirit of God that comes inside of us, brings us life. That same life that raised Jesus from the dead is now active and working inside of us. And because of Jesus and this life-giving spirit that is within us, the self-loathing and the guilt and the shame that so often becomes the soundtrack for our lives can get dealt with. The challenge is learning to live in the freedom of God's life-giving spirits. The, the, the challenge is, is learning to sing that, that new song to get rid of that, that old soundtrack. I love that verse, and I think it's Psalms 40, where it says, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise unto God. Friends, we need to learn to sing the new song. We need a new soundtrack for our lives. Because something I've noticed in my own life and, and in talking with others is that even though as followers of Jesus, we have been categorically set free from condemnation and, and absolutely set free from sin. Instead of learning to live in the freedom that we have in Christ, we revert to old patterns, old habits, old behaviors, old ways, and, and that, that old soundtrack starts getting played in our lives. In fact, sometimes it gets played louder and harder. It just begins to drown everything else out. And instead of singing the new song, we're stuck in the old song. The old rhythms are become what, what, what we're, we're dancing to. When I was a kid, we had a dog named him Dino. Love the Flintstones. So we had Darcy, Dallas, and Dino. Yeah, that was that was that was our family, and and this Dino was Dino was a great wasn't Dino a great dog? Dino was a great dog. He was a, he was a, I, he was a mutt. Don't know exactly what he was. We we think he was a terrier uh, of some sort because he had attitude um, and was 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 quick. I, but I think maybe he was crossed with a lab or something. So he's kind of a medium sized dog, and I mean he was athletic. This this dog could fly. We'd let him out, you know, about two blocks from home when we were coming home just to give him a run coming into the house, and he would beat us home every time. I think he could run like 35 miles an hour. Like he'd just whoosh. My dad called him a streak of a black lightning. So we'd let him out, and he'd run him. He only got hit by a car a couple of times, but uh, um, yeah, I mean this dog could move. Um, he could jump. He could climb ladders. He would he would go up a ladder. In fact, if the, if the tree kind of had a little bit, he would try and run up the tree to get the squirrel. I mean, he was just that kind of a dog. The other thing that he would do is he would he would drink from the toilet. I mean, we would put a clean water dish out for him. We would change that water dish every day. He would never drink from the water dish. He was always going and sticking his head in the toilet. I mean, we were, it was a family of young boys, right? So, so we weren't always real good at putting the seat down. I have since learned to put the seat down. You put the seat down. So yes, thank you. Thank you very much. My, yeah, I won't go where I was going. Anyway, moving on. So in fact, we, we would put the seat down and that dog would get and stick his nose under and get the seat up and take a drink from the toilet. It, it was his, and that's not a picture of our dog. It's about the right size and color, but uh, that, that wasn't our dog. That's that maybe your dog. I don't know. Uh, so he would, he would drink 
from the toilets in spite of the fact that there was a nice, clean bowl of water for him available. And you know what? Sometimes that's what our lives look like. Instead of drinking from the clean, fresh water that God has for us, we're drinking, well, we're drinking from the toilet, the, the to- toilet of, of old sins, of old habits, of old patterns of, of behavior. And instead of finding our security and our satisfaction in Christ, we are trying to find our security and our satisfaction from the promises of the world. And we go, we go looking for pleasure and we go looking for, for power or, or prestige, you know, trying to fill the, the holes in our soul that only God can fill. And instead of chasing after God and his promises to us, we go chasing after other stuff. And it's, and it's like we're, we're drinking from the, it, friends, epic fail every time. Epic fail. In fact, let's talk about freedom for a moment, spiritual freedom. Freedom is not the liberty to do whatever you want. Okay? You know, sometimes we start talking about this idea of spiritual freedom or, or this idea of grace and, and God setting us free from condemnation. Sometimes people get this idea that how you live doesn't matter. You know, you can just go on doing whatever you want to do, living however you want to live because just, God's just going to forgive you anyway so you don't have to worry about feeling bad about it. You know, just do whatever you did and, and God's going to forgive. Our job is to sin. God's job is to forgive. It's all good. Now, Paul addresses that specifically in some other passages we're not going to get into, but we need to understand that living however we want and doing whatever we want is really just trying to meet those needs in our heart and in our lives our own way. All it is, is we're just trying to medicate ourselves. We're, we're just trying to fill that, that, that hole in our soul instead of looking to Jesus to fill that hole in our soul. And friends, if that's what we're doing, then we have totally misunderstood what it means to be saved and be a follower of Jesus. We have missed it because we're still trying to save ourselves. We're trying to medicate the, the, the pain in our lives, the, the, the hole in our soul through ourselves and, and, and our, our actions. John Stott, a wonderful British pastor and theologian, he put it this way, The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. Instead of trying to allow God to come in and be who he is and fill that hole that is inside of each of us, we go out and and we, we try and find that substitute. We, we try and find that substitute. That is what sin is. It's trying to take what only God can do in us and trying to substitute something else in. And so he says, the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. The essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Jesus became our substitute. So folks, don't don't fall into that twisted thinking that that how you live doesn't matter. How you live does matter. In fact, there's there's all kinds of exhortations and examples and explanations in scripture that that unpacks what our lives should look like when Jesus has saved us, when the life-giving spirit is active inside of us. 
Because when we come to Jesus, we become part of a new family. And as part of that, that new family, there's, there, there's new expectations, there's, there's new family rules. Another way to say it is we become part of, of the new kingdom. We become part of the kingdom of Jesus. And as citizens of the new kingdom, there's, there's, there's a new lifestyle that comes with the kingdom. And so you just can't live however you want. And you know what? Yeah, you're, you're gonna mess it up, but there is a, is a new way to live. So, so freedom is not the liberty to do whatever you want. Freedom is in fact the liberty to do or to be who God called you to be. That's what real freedom is. The freedom to be who God has called you to be. Your past is forgiven. Your future is secure. And yeah, we are gonna mess it up. But friends, God's grace picks us up. And, and we keep going. We keep putting one foot in front of the other. And progressively, the, the work of God's spirit is the work of that life-giving spirit is to take us from where we are and to move us and conform us and to change us and to transform us into who God's called us to be. To be free to be who God's called us to be. You see, we need to understand the, the, the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on our heart and says, hey, listen, you've sinned. You need to come to God for forgiveness. You, you need to come to me so, so that we can, we can get things straightened out so, so that I can deal with that, that, that pain in, in your soul and, and, and work with you to, to see you step into the freedom that, that I, I have for you. And I love that verse in, in Hebrews chapter four where it says, you know, come boldly to a throne of our gracious God to find help to find mercy in the time of need. So conviction is the pull of the Holy Spirit to come to God to make our hearts right with him. Condemnation, on the other hand, says, you know what, you're, un you're guilty, you're unworthy, God doesn't want anything to do with you, you just go run away and hide. You run. Because God doesn't want to talk to you. God doesn't want anything to do with you. The pastor doesn't want anything to do with you. Anybody that knows better doesn't want anything to do with you. <laughs> so we need to understand the difference between conviction and condemnation, but don't let the idea that how you live doesn't matter. Because when we act out like that, what we're actually doing is we're still trying to save ourselves. And it's gonna create all kinds of insecurity in our life. And eventually, you know what? We're gonna become tone deaf to the new song that God wants to give us. You know, you know we're, we're not gonna hear the music of heaven. So that's one ditch we fall into. You know, instead of finding satisfaction in Christ, we, we try and find it in other stuff. But here's the other ditch that we can fall into. Uh, instead of uh, fully trusting Christ and the life-giving spirit in us, we try to do it ourselves. You know, we try to be a good person. We try to be a good Christian. And, and we try to depend on ourselves to ensure our right standing with God. And again, that is just gonna be an epic fail. Epic fail. You see, for some of us, we trust Jesus to save us from our sin but somehow we really don't trust Jesus to keep us saved. 
You know, we, we have that salvation experience. And then, then it's like, you know, it's, it's up to us to be the person that, that we're supposed to be. So we read the scripture. We, we know what a, what a good Christian life is supposed to look like. And so we try and keep all the rules and do all the right things and put on a happy face and be a good Christian. And you know what? If you're a disciplined kind of person, if that's kind of in your DNA, you can get away with that for a bit because you kind of got your act together and you can kind of pull it off. Now, the problem is, is that that's classic recipe for being a Pharisee because it, it leads you to kind of being proud of, of who you are and proud of being kind of a spiritual person. And then you start looking down your nose at all the other losers that don't have their act together. And if they were only, you know, disciplined and spiritual like you. But the problem with, with Pharisees is that they look good on the outside, but they were dead on the inside. Everything that they were doing had nothing to do with the life-giving spirit of Jesus within them. Of course, if you're not a disciplined person, and most of us aren't, man, we just keep falling on our faces. Even if, if we know how we're supposed to live, we keep screwing up, we keep messing up, we keep making mistakes, and then we beat ourselves up. We, we think we're, we're failure, and we just fall into that condemnation trap. I'm a loser. You know, I, I hope I can cover my tracks because if anybody ever really found out who I was, you know, I can't let people get close to me because if they ever found out who I really was and the screw up I really am, the mess that I'm making, they wouldn't want anything to, and I know, I know God, you know, I don't want to get too close to God because I really don't want God to know who I am. You know, one of Satan's favorite tricks is to drag God's people down with discouragement and, and with hopelessness and to try and create distance between us and our heavenly father, to, to alienate us from God. And what we don't understand is that, you know, trying to be a good Christian and, and just kind of trying that way, we have missed the grace of God just as much as the person that doesn't even try to live a life pleasing to God. We've missed it just as much. And the despair then makes us want to give up. And both of those choices lead directly back and reinforce the patterns of condemnation from which Jesus has come to set us free. Because in Jesus, there is no condemnation. But when we play games like that, we're, we're like my old dog drinking from the toilet. But the promise of scripture is that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Friends, because of the work of Jesus in our lives, because we're forgiven, because we have his spirit within us, we have the promise of forgiveness. We have the promise of freedom. We have the promise of life and power because we belong to Christ Jesus. We're his. I was talking with my Aunt Minnie a couple of days ago. It was this week. And uh, some of you know my aunt, uh, lovely woman of God. Uh, I guess, what is she, 86, 87 now? Anyway, loves, loves Jesus, 
was in ministry for many, many years. That was, that's what she did with her life. And uh, so uh, she uh, was on the phone with me and she said, Darcy, I had a miracle. I need to, well, quite often, Auntie's experiencing miracles. She's just a woman of faith, loves Jesus. So she said, Darcy, I had a miracle. I need to tell you about my miracle. And so I'm like, Auntie, bring it on. Tell, tell me about your miracle. Well, the, the story is this, and, and by the way, I didn't ask Auntie's permission to tell this story, so um, let's not tell her, okay? We'll just keep it between you and me. And um, Auntie, if you do happen to listen to the podcast and hear this, I, I guess I owe you a toonie. But anyways, um, Last fall, uh, they had had um, an event at their church on a Saturday. I think it was some kind of yard sale or something like that where you could bring your stuff and, and sell it. And, and it was kind of a neighborhood event. And, and so my, my auntie loves to cook. She, she loves to bake and, and that kind of stuff. And, and so, in fact, she's got her own cookbook. And so she baked a whole bunch of stuff up and she was coming to this event to, uh, to sell all of it. So, so she had her car loaded with all this fresh baking that she had done and she got there and there was pouring rain and, and the parking lot was all taken up with all the tables and so there wasn't a good place to park and so she ended up parking on the street and she noticed that the street uh, lamp just ahead of her had these no parking signs on it but the one sign said, you know, with Euro One Way it was like, you know, no parking Monday through Friday between nine and three or nine and five or whatever and then, then there was another no parking sign with some arrows on it and, and so she thought it was all parking the other way, no parking and so she was good where she was and so then she comes back at the end of the afternoon after selling all her stuff to find that she She's got a parking ticket on her windshield. And, and you need to know that this would have not gone over well with, with my aunt. I mean, I mean, she's gonna be closer to Jesus than the apostle Paul in heaven. I mean, she is a woman of God. She is like, when you, when you look at, when you look up citizen of the year in the dictionary, you know, they've got her picture. You know, like she is just like one of these ladies that, that just... She's gonna do it right and do it proper. And so to get this ticket was just like, oh, it was just terrible. And it was like 130 bucks and like, like, wow. So my aunt decided that instead of just paying the ticket and getting on with life, that it would be best for her to go talk to the judge. So she contacted them and, and set the, got a date for, for court. And uh, her date for court was this past Tuesday. So she wasn't really telling too many people about this. And, uh, but at her small group on last Sunday night, she, she told her small group what was happening and, and asked her small group to pray with her and to pray for her and said, when I go to that, that courtroom on Tuesday morning, that I would just find favor with the judge. Because she says, I was just confused by the signs. I, I, I don't understand how I was parked in, in, in the wrong spot. So just pray that I would have favor with the judge. So, so on Monday, she had to be there at 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning. And so uh, she lives in East Edmonton and the, and the courthouse is downtown. And so she thought it would be best if she uh, took the uh, light rail transit, the LRT downtown, instead of trying to drive down and find parking. So she got up on Monday, went and bought a, a month pass for the LRT because she knew that it would be, uh, you know, she's going to make four trips. So it's going to be cheaper to, to do it that way. So she bought a month passed. She went down on Monday to practice riding the LRT to make sure that she had enough time to get there on Tuesday morning. And then, and then Tuesday morning, she, she got up early. She went to the LRT. She got on. She got off at the station downtown. And she says it's about a mile from the station to the courthouse. And so, I mean, she's an older lady. It took her some time. She says it was a long walk. And then she goes in there. And of course, there's all kinds of courthouses in, in the main court building downtown Edmonton. And she finally gets directions to the right courthouse. She goes up to the courthouse. She walks in. 
prison. She's in the wrong courthouse. She's on the wrong floor. So they direct her to the right courthouse and she walks in and she made it. It was 10 minutes to nine. And she walks up and she goes to the clerk at the front and says, hello, my name is Minnie Mueller and, and I'm here to, about this uh, parking infraction that, that I have. And the clerk, she said, just kind of barely looked up at her and said, well, the judge isn't here today, so your parking ticket is canceled. I was talking with one of our legal people after the first service, and they said, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and Auntie Minnie said, she said, all I could kind of get, get out of my mouth was like, well, thank you very much. Actually, I thought what was going to come out of her mouth was, well, thank you, Jesus. And, and so she's, her ticket got canceled. Miracle. Friends, what Jesus did for you is even better. Because he didn't just let us off on a technicality. He paid the cost of our ticket even though it cost him his life. He paid our debt with the cost of his life. And Jesus says, listen, I have given my life for you. And if you will give your life to me, I will come. I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. I will fill you with my life-giving spirit. And those voices of condemnation that say you're a mess, that say you're a failure, that you will never amount to anything, those voices can be silenced because of who I am and what I have done for you. You belong to me. And you know, as followers of Jesus, we are going to mess up. And someone's probably going to be there to point a finger at us and say, ah, you call yourself a Christian. In fact, the person pointing the finger is usually yourself. And the soundtrack in our head starts playing, you're a failure. God doesn't love you. Your church family can't accept you. There's no place for you to serve. There's nothing you can do for the kingdom of God. But friends, the good news is it's not what you have done that matters. It's what Jesus has done that matters. And in spite of what we've done, God in Christ has given us right standing with himself. He's made things right. He just hasn't let us off on a technicality, my friend. The debt has been paid. The debt has been paid. And the big question is really this. It's not what you have done. The big question is, do you belong to Jesus? Do you belong to Christ? Because if you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. It's freed you. So friends, it's not about your performance. It's about your position. Who do you belong to? And if you belong to Jesus, if you've given your life to him, if you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, friends, then there is no condemnation. There is no guilt. There is no shame. Yeah, you know what? There may be conviction. 
The Holy Spirit may put his finger on your heart and say, listen, there's stuff there that, that I want to deal with. There's stuff there that, that, that I wanna make right. There's, there's wounds and there's pains and, and there, there's a void there that you need to find your, your healing and your fullness in me. You need to come to me in repentance and forgiveness. And, but, but come to me, let's make things right. Let's be in fellowship. Let me pour my love on you. So there may be conviction, but friends, there's no condemnation. It's not about what your friends say. It's not about what you say. It's not about what the devil says. It's about what Jesus says. I'm gonna ask Steve to come and we're gonna pray in just a moment. Some of you may be wrestling with the conviction of God's spirit in your life. And friends, that's a good thing. That's something we welcome. We welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit because we can run to God. He says, run to the throne of grace. But maybe you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Friends, this relationship with Jesus is, is for you. And, and now is the moment to receive what God wants to give you. Grace is something you receive, not something you achieve. Forgiveness is something you receive. It's not something you can achieve. It's God's gift. It's his promise to us that, that in Christ we can be forgiven and in Christ we can have no condemnation. And so in a moment, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I, I, I would just encourage you to do that this morning, to say, Jesus, I, I wanna be yours. I wanna, I wanna belong to you so that you can do that work in my heart and that work in my life. And so if you're here this morning and, and you wanna take that step, can we all just close our eyes and, and bow our heads and just, just pray this prayer along with me in your heart. Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for dying on the cross, taking my place. I thank you for the life that I have in you because of you rising from the dead and the life-giving spirit that you put in our hearts. Forgive my sin. Give me the gift of eternal life. And help me to move past my stuff. If you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer, you have now come to Jesus. You, you belong to Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, there is no condemnation. Friend, if you're a follower of Jesus already and you've been wrestling with some stuff and you've been beating yourself up, it's time to stop beating yourself up. And it's time to come to Jesus and make things right. Uh, one of the best ways to do that, scripture says, if we confess our sin one to another, we will be healed. And sometimes we just need another friend, follower of Jesus to come alongside of us and just say, hey, you know what? You're messed up, I messed up, but Jesus has set us free. And we wanna pray with you this morning. We wanna encourage you this morning. We wanna see that breakthrough happen in your life. So before you walk out the back doors, I'm gonna invite you to walk out this, this side door over into our prayer lounge. 
There's gonna be a team of people there that would love to pray with you. If, if you're here this morning and, and you've prayed that prayer of faith to, to become a child of God, uh, instead of walking out those back, can you just take a moment and walk through these side doors and, and find one of our prayer team and say, hey, this morning I, I prayed to receive Jesus, to, to belong to him. And, and we would just love to pray with you and to, to give you a New Testament scripture if you don't have one. And just, just make sure that, that, that we know your story and that you know that Jesus is walking with you. And, and friend, if you're here this morning, if you're wrestling with some stuff in your life, don't walk out of here feeling like junk. Don't walk out of here thinking you got to go back to drinking out of the toilet. There's fresh water for you. There's no condemnation. And friends, we're not going to point any fingers. There's not going to be any judgment because you know what? We've been where you are. We're all messed up. But Jesus has set us free. Jesus has set us free. Would you stand with me? Let's stand. Jesus, we thank you for the promise of your forgiveness. We thank you that because we belong to you, there's no condemnation. And so Lord, draw us to yourself. May your life-giving spirit be at work in us today and all this week. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen.